everyone, I'm Lee Stabert, Editor-in-Chief of Keystone Edge, and this is your latest episode of Key Change. In this podcast series, we're letting Pennsylvanians tell their stories, chatting about successes and challenges, and digging deep into their local communities. In this episode, we're talking wine, Pennsylvania wine to be exact. Mario Mazza is a second-generation winemaker at Mazza Vineyards, which is preparing to celebrate its 50th anniversary. He's also a leader in the Ascendant statewide industry and in the Lake Erie wine region in particular. We chatted with Mario about this very special and spectacularly beautiful corner of the state, life in a family business, and how the local wine industry continues to evolve. Here's my conversation with Mario. I think for probably most of the people listening to this, they have not been to Lake Erie wine country. I am lucky enough that I have. But I would love if you could start off just describing the landscape for people and making them understand, hopefully, both that this is a beautiful part of the state and that it's a really fascinating um, part of the state when it comes to the wine industry. I think it's a great point. Not a lot of people uh, maybe have experienced the little sliver of Pennsylvania that is part of Lake Erie wine country uh, that is a multi-state AVA that spreads across you know, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and New York. Can you just define an AVA for people? Sure. Yeah. AVA, American Viticultural Appalachian. So it's a, a defined region uh, where grapes are grown. So it's often something you see on the label of a bottle. So probably Napa is one of the ones that's most recognized. Um, but they're all throughout the country and it gives you an indication of where that fruit for uh, the wine in that bottle was grown. Lake Erie is uh, one of several AVAs within Pennsylvania. Uh, it's one of a few uh, around the country that actually spans multiple states. And it is, uh, you know, I, I guess maybe I'm partial. It's a beautiful part of the world. You uh, are sitting on a lake that, for those that haven't been to the Great Lakes, you often won't realize it's a lake because you have a hard time seeing to the other side. Maybe on the very clearest day, if you're up with a little bit of elevation, you uh, can see Ontario uh, from, from where we're at. But uh, you're probably shore to shore, 40 plus miles across that, uh, across that lake. It's part of the Great Lakes formed by glacial recession. So you have a little bit of elevation and escarpment leading down to the lake. Uh, and that lake shore and that uh, escarpment and also the lake itself are the reason we can even grow grapes up here. Uh, the lake itself acts as a heat sink and source. So in the winter, it cools down, kind of holds back growth in the spring. And in the summer, it becomes a heat reservoir for uh, you know ripening in the fall. And that um, escarpment from the glacial recession that is, you know, maybe just a few miles inland, uh, a little less at some points, kind of holds that warmer air from the lake up against that shoreline. And that's across the entire AVA, there's over 30,000 acres of grapes grown. Uh, In Erie County alone, it's about 15,000 acres nearly of grapes grown. There's a very large uh, juice industry, but there is a significant portion of that uh, acreage that is going towards the uh, the wine industry uh, and the Pennsylvania wine industry. So it's uh, it's pretty stunning. There's some spots, you know, just down the road from us here and right near the winery and uh, where I live that you can look out and see a few thousand acres of vineyards overlooking the lake. It's pretty awesome and I think a lot of times underappreciated and, and unknown uh, given it's the largest contiguous grape growing region east of the Rockies. Yeah, I think people also maybe don't understand that you can kind of have that California fantasy winery hopping experience in Erie. You know, you can really build a whole weekend around the wine industry. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's something that has continued to uh, to grow. Uh, 
you know, the first two wineries in Pennsylvania were established here in Lake Erie. So you go back to Penshore uh, Winery and Vineyards and Prescott Wine Cellars established in the late 60s with the advent of the Limited Winery Act in Pennsylvania, you know, reestablishing the industry post-prohibition. It's an amazing spot because now we've grown to, you know, dozens of wineries uh, in this in this region that are all very near to each other. So you have that ability to, you know, travel along the lakeshore, beautiful vistas with the vineyards, and go uh, winery to winery. And there's, uh, you know, continually new uh, new wineries, new and expanding opportunities to visit and see more wineries with more, uh, you know, offerings, experiences, which I think is just beneficial for the entire industry, quite honestly. Um, it's, it's good to see a, you know, a growing critical mass because that's what's going to bring people to our region, I think, is when they have more than one uh, opportunity to visit. So this is a family business. Can you give us a sort of back of the envelope history of Maza Vineyards and um, talk about sort of your place in that history? And I know you guys also have a big anniversary coming up. We're excited. We're celebrating our, our 50th uh, anniversary. My father and my uncle started the business in 1972 while they're both still in college. Uh, my grandfather uh, did help them uh, start uh, as well. Going back a little further, my, my family had emigrated from Italy, uh, southern Italy, Calabria. Uh, my, my grandfather uh, brought the family here in the 50s. They originally moved to Long Island, lived there for a number of years, and then moved to a town called Harbor Creek, so just one town west of uh, where the operation is located in northeast uh, Pennsylvania. And that's where my father and my uncle grew up. In their teenage years, they had a farm with some vineyards, and so they were responsible for taking care of those vineyards as they grew up. Um, they decided they wanted to go into business. I think it was my uncle that was one that was really interested in the wine industry my, and, and viticulture. Uh, my father really was the one that wanted to you know, just ultimately go into business for himself. So that's really what prompted the, the start of the operation in, in 72. We were one of the first uh, handful of wineries established, I guess the kind of early adopter phase. They brought on a German-trained, uh, Geisenheim-educated winemaker for the first number of years trained one of our longtime winemakers and so really you know set I think the operation up with uh, you know uh, a mentality of you know we're going to bring in people that have um, you know some skills that hopefully can contribute to making uh, great quality wines in the Lake Erie region and uh, you know fast forward quite a few years I joined the business uh, a little over 17 years ago now didn't originally plan to join it, uh, um, but then ended up coming back. And uh, I've uh, come through the winemaking side of the business uh, and now oversee all of our operations, which have diversified over the years. We have a, we have a growing distillery uh, operation. We also have a, a small brewing operation and uh, multiple wine brands, labels, and locations. Um, and uh, as you know, it's still a, it is a full family business. So my sister is involved, Vanessa, as a creative director. Uh, my parents are, uh, while well, my mother's a retired school teacher, she's still uh, you know active in, in some portions of the business. Uh, my father, I don't think, will ever retire, despite uh, you know our insistence and in nudging some days. And my wife uh, is is involved as well. So, and we all still talk to each other, which is pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah, I sort of I always want to ask people about what it's like being in a family business. I would like to think in a good one, it's mostly upside, but it also must have some complications. Yeah, you know, I think it's uh, it's taken us a number of years to find um, find that balance. Uh, 
the good news is we all have different skill sets and uh, to a degree different interests or aspects of the business that are interest us and that uh, lends itself to us being more collaborative and supportive i would say overall great experience it is a little tricky my wife always jokes she goes okay cool you guys are coming over for dinner we're not talking work um it's hard for us to disentangle that from our regular social interactions sometimes so uh you know uh, i'll give my my wife as the you know the quote-unquote outsider but um you know she she's really good at policing us and just kind of hitting the red stop button okay enough work talk on to something else so i would love you to talk about the pennsylvania wine industry as an insider and as an expert and i'd really like to hear about how you feel it's changed over your tenure so the last 10 15 years how have the customers changed? How have the wines changed? How have kind of the the competitive landscape changed? So it's interesting. I grew up in the business. I, I worked with my father as, as a young kid, uh, worked in the tasting room, worked on the bottom line, planted vineyards, uh, you know, as a teenager and growing up even through uh, through summers. So, uh, and had the, the great um, fortune to get to know some you know, really wonderful people in the industry, some of which you know, uh, you know, no longer with us. Doug Moorhead, in particular, Don Chapman, and, and some others. They were really influential in um, getting the Pennsylvania industry to where it is today. The industry has definitely evolved, uh, and I think this is the whole of the wine industry, not just the Pennsylvania wine industry, with regards to the consumers are seeking more of an experiential and entertaining uh, aspect. Uh, not what was traditionally, uh, I'm going to come in, I'm going to stand at a counter, I'm going to taste these four wines, and then I'm going to buy, you know, X number of bottles and leave. Um, people are interested in entertainment, in music, in uh, a more um, engaging and diverse tasting experience. I think you're seeing wineries and operations adapt to offering uh, a range of those things. And I don't think everybody's trying to offer everything because you have a lot of wineries that are maybe finding their their specialty or their niche, and it's creating uh, you know uh, an even more diverse experience and ranging experience and engaging experience for for consumers. I think the wine quality too continues to improve. I think. Um, it is really tough being from an unknown state in terms of you know wine production. Pennsylvania is not uh, a state that people necessarily think of uh, when it comes to wine. There are some fantastic wines made in the state, but it is definitely a marathon and not a sprint. You know, just persistence in terms of you know putting out good quality products, educating consumers, and getting people um, to be you know willing to try uh, something that you know doesn't have California on the label. Um, can be a little challenging sometimes. And I think, you know, bit by bit, we're overcoming that. In my limited experience as someone who knows a little bit about Pennsylvania wines, has drank a lot of Pennsylvania wines, I have seen a lot of Pennsylvania wineries become a lot more sophisticated in things like their labeling and their branding and the grapes that they're growing so that they can fit on the shelf next to wines from Europe, wines from California, these more established growing regions. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's something that, you know, when when we look at, you know, our competitor set, we don't think about, oh, what's so-and-so down the road, you know, a couple miles either way doing. I mean, that is part of it. But we really think about that world stage and, you know, what are wineries from around the world doing, new world, old world, whatever it might be. And as we work to sell wines into competitive markets, whether it's New York export markets, 
um, outside of the U.S., you're competing on the world stage of wines. And so it is, um, you know, a humbling lesson in a lot of ways of what do you need to do to deliver in terms of quality, in terms of look, aesthetic, brand, uh, and and value. And so uh, that's really what we are, you know, continuing to strive for. And I guess, you know, um, I guess it's my ambitious, you know, second half of the century goal is to uh, continue to improve the quality um, and help be a part of the march towards making Pennsylvania um, synonymous with, you know, high quality wine. Describe your perfect day in Gary Wine Region. If someone was coming and they said, okay, where should I go? What should I drink? What should I eat? And what should I be sure to see and experience? Uh, what would you tell them? Oh, wow. Um, so I was going to say my perfect day. So my perfect day would involve, I like to cycle, so I would go out for an early morning ride along the lake. Um, but, you know, I would say get, get up, enjoy the water. So there's beaches to access. Get out, go for a walk, um, take, in, take in the views. But then uh, there's a whole slew of wineries within about a 45-minute end-to-end range um, from the west end to the east end of Lake Erie Wine Country. Um, you know, over 25 wineries. You know, of course, I'm going to, you know, strongly encourage you to come visit Mazza Vineyards, our original spot, uh, South Shore Wine Company, which we reestablished about 15 years ago that uh, was one of the original wineries in the region in the 1860s and established that brand and uh, it serves as uh, the home to uh, our sparkling uh, or coupe collection where all of our sparkling wines are, are housed. In terms of doing and seeing, I think there's some really great regional assets that people um may be aware of, maybe not, and sometimes miss. Um, Erie is a short drive from us, about 25 minutes. You got Presque Isle State Park, beautiful beaches, Presque Isle Bay in Erie. Um, so some great waterfront, you know, if you're coming up in the summer, great waterfront restaurants um, with views of the bay. Well worth, um, you know, making a long weekend of. Anything else you'd like to share about your business, about the future of this industry in this region. I'm really excited. Um, you know, one of the things that I think drew me back to this um, and drew me into the business was it is a bit of make your own destiny. And I will say that, you know, working with the people, whether it's other wineries, uh, whether it's the growers, it, it it's a wonderful industry. It's rewarding. It definitely is, you know, is hard work um, and a lot of points throughout it, but it is really rewarding, really satisfying. And I, I'm excited to see the momentum and a growing critical mass of people throughout the state that are pushing the envelope to make higher quality wine and, uh, and make a positive impact and resonate with, you know, consumers, whether you're in the industry or not, you can be proud of that. Um, you know, uh, being from Pennsylvania and saying, yeah, we, we have this, this is something that we can be proud of. Um, so that, that to me is exciting when I take the little longer view of, of where we've come and, and where I really do believe we're heading. I know you're also not the only second generation wine person. Um, do you feel like there's sort of any camaraderie between um, people in the industry who have a similar story to you who are coming in and kind of being the next generation to carry it forward? Yeah, it's interesting. I think I think to a degree, there's a there's a lot of us that came in as second generation that have been in as second generation for 10, 15, 20 years now. And maybe I don't know, maybe we're starting to take on the mantle of the curmudgeons in some instances, uh, not necessarily, but we're seeing a lot of new entrants into the industry. We have a lot of new wineries that continue to open and people that are coming in from other industries. 
and that's great. I think people are going to bring new, fresh ideas. Uh, there's no one right way to do it. I think that diversity is going to make the industry stronger. Um, but I do think that there is still very much a, by and large, by and large, a collaborative and supportive um, effort. You know, we like to see people succeed in the industry. Uh, you know, I never see you know if somebody's you know somebody's going to open a new operation down the road. I think that's great because hopefully that's going to mean better business for both of us. Um, and, you know, I want to see them do some great things and hopefully that's going to push me and my team to do better as well. I think that's a healthy way to look at it. And uh, I, I guess maybe I'm a little bit of a competitive person. So I, I like I like a little bit of competition. I think it keeps you, you know, keeps you on your game and, uh, and keeps the industry moving forward for everybody's benefit. Thank you for listening to our 11th episode of Key Change. We hope you'll be inspired to plan a trip to Erie, one with plenty of wineries on the itinerary. We also wanted to add a quick note. Keystone Edge's publisher, Swell LLC, has done branding work for Mazza Vineyards. We'll have more installments of Key Change in the future, but in the meantime, make sure you're checking out Prism, the podcast we're making in partnership with the PA Council on the Arts. And stay tuned for more exciting projects coming soon. Until next time.